podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Strong still having a look. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick fire that drags it down now. Long way out. Oh, what a gun! What a gun! Fletcher! It's Lucius McCulloch saved it in! Ferguson! Don't lose again! And it's there! Partly in, here comes up, chance goal! Scotland have scored! This is the Hamden Roar with me, Andy Barge. Jim McCallagh cemented his name in Scottish football history when he scored the winning goal in that famous match at Wembley back in 1967. I sat down with the former Sheffield Wednesday and Wolves midfielder to chat about that game and his international career. Jim, I have to say it is... Genuinely an honour as a huge Scotland fan to sit down and chat with the man that scored the, the winning goal at Wembley in 67. How, how often do you reflect on, on moments like that in your life now? Uh, I think now a lot. Uh, <laughs> life's passing me by a bit. Um, obviously it was a, a fabulous time in my life uh, and a lot of people that I, I meet in football and, and meet around... Um, you know, wherever I go, they, they're all kind enough to mention about it and mo- mostly all of them are trying to buy me a drink but <laughs> I, I think having been a landlord for over 25 years, I, I think drink is the last thing that I ever want to take <laughs> so I have to kindly refuse. Well, take the take the compliments. We'll, we'll go back a few years though. You were born in Glasgow, September 1946. How big a part did football play in your childhood? Tremendous. Uh, the you know the facilities we had, believe it or not, was great for playing football. Um, we were out in the street. There was no cars. We could play wherever we wanted. It was just a case of who could afford a ball or <laughs> whatever we could get to kick around. Sometimes it was just uh, the paper off a, a loaf of bread because we could crumble that up and wow. and make that a wee bit of a ball. But the only problem with that is you used to kick your, your soles out of your, your shoes and you'd be flipping <laughs> with your shoes and you'd get home and my mum would say, Jim, no. And of course, then she'd be trying to get as, as hard a, um, a shoe as she possibly could so that it would last a wee bit long. But all in all, she was great. But there was such a lot of um, good football at my school, first and, and foremost, um, my teacher there was a guy called uh, Mr Dennis Cuddy who was marvellous, he used to train us on a Tuesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon as well and uh, he was our football teacher from under 13s right the way through to under 16s um, and also in the district I lived which was the Gobbles mm-hmm. um, I went to St Luke's Boys Guild and St Francis Boys, uh, Boys Guild and uh, there was always football on there. There was teams that played on a Sunday and a Saturday afternoon. So I would, generally speaking, be playing Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and also playing on a Sunday. So a, a huge part of your life. And did you dream of playing for Scotland, or was that something that never really entered your, your mind? No, that was my goal, mm-hmm. always. My goal was Wembley, well, as it turned that. out. As it turned out, it's a wonderful pun, isn't it? Um, <laughs> So we, we used to, when we'd play over the Glasgow Green and we'd be coming back, we used to come through where the Bowling Green was and we used to sneak onto the Bowling Green at, at Glasgow Green 
and uh, play there until the the warden or whoever yeah. it was was looking after it, chased us away. <laughs> so we used to pretend to be England and Scotland at Wembley. So well, change days now. I don't think you would get away with that. Well, you signed for Chelsea in nineteen. 19- 63, were you involved in the Scottish youth teams at that point? I played for Glasgow Schoolboys and that brought me to the attention of the, obviously the the football world as it were Um, and then I I was the first Gobbles boy to be picked for for Scotland Schoolboys, so I was thrilled with that because there was such a great lot of footballers come from the Gobbles Mm -hmm. in Glasgow uh, and I was the first to play for Scotland Schoolboys, and we actually played the game at Ibrox. And wow. uh, just for the record, we beat England four <laughs> three. You've made a habit of this, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. So then, from from the Schoolboys, um, then I signed professional for Chelsea. Um, while I was at Chelsea, I played for Scotland Youth, and I played in the, the World Cup Youth Tournament out in um, in Holland. And we lost in the semi-finals, so we were pretty close. We yeah. had a good, uh, good team, lot of good uh, individual players. Who else and, was in that team? Uh, in the team then was um, Ian Mitchell, who played for Dundee United. <clears throat> there, there was quite a few, Andy, but I need to check up for <laughs> to check up who the rest of the boys were. There was Paddy Buckley, I remember, he'd just been transferred from Aberdeen to Wolves for quite a lot of money, which was 15 grand then. Um, So he was absolutely buzzing. And we also had Jimmy O'Rourke, who played for Hibs, and um, Eric Stevenson, who played for Hibs. So there there was quite a lot. And I think there was Billy Dixon, who played at Kilmarnock. Promising team then? Yeah, terrific, yeah. Um, it was a tough team to get in um, because we actually had three trials, believe it or not. Okay. And uh, the, the good thing about them was they took them around the country, which was quite good because, you know, it gave the, the rest of the people in Scotland a look other than it being in Glasgow or in Edinburgh. So so we played, uh, I think we played down here, down the road here at Kilmarnock as well. So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So I had no excuses at all, Andy. I, I had um, every chance. Um, and, and like I said, I, I went into Scotland. Uh, I played in the school boys and I played in, in the youth. So I was well on my way, especially when I, I moved to Chelsea. Tommy Docherty signed me. Oh, wow, OK. Well, transitioning from your youth career into your professional one, when you moved to Sheffield Wednesday, it was for a for a record transfer fee at that point for a teenager, mm, I believe yeah. 37,000. Was that a move that you felt would enhance your international prospects? Yes, most definitely. Um, I, I, when I was at Chelsea, there was uh, we had a great young team and ahead of me, because I was a young boy coming through, 18, 17, uh, it was Terry Venables, who was the club captain, and I was pushing him for his first team place. And the thing was with Terry, Terry was um, very well liked among the boys and I liked him as well. He was a smashing lad. He was always prepared to talk about football with me and and always looking at some of my games and having a word with me about certain things. So I didn't see the the sense of me being there in the squad and I thought, no, I don't want that. I want to play for Scotland, which would always been my dream. Uh, so I asked for a transfer and, and it was quite hilarious because 
Uh, when I went to see the boss, Tommy Doherty, he says, come in, Jim, how are you? I says, I'm fine, boss. And then as I sat down, I says, I don't think you're going to like this. And he says, right, go ahead. I said, uh, I'd like a transfer. I said, I, I, I don't. Um, I feel I've improved a, a lot and I want to play first team football and I feel if I don't start playing it all the time as much as I can, um, I'm not going to make the grade and, and get my ambitions, which as you know, boss, is, is to play for Scotland. He chased me out the room. He really? says, get out the room. So he wasn't He wouldn't talk to me all, about well. it. No, he wouldn't talk to me at all. And then I went in the second time to ask for another transfer, probably about... Uh, a month later, he was annoyed again, and he says, look, you're not going to leave here. He says, I want you here. You're going to be in the first team. You'll just have to be patient. And I said, well, I'm 18 now, nearly 19, uh, and I need to be playing in, uh, in the first team. And I, I says, I, I want a transfer. See. So carried on a bit longer. Anyway, the third time I went in and asked him probably maybe two weeks later, uh, he'd already said he'd talked to the board, and they talked. Uh, he talked to the board, and then he agreed, and then he put it in the papers that he thought I'd been tapped. Oh, right, okay. So, so he thought that was my motivation, but it wasn't my motivation. My motivation was I wanted to play first team football and try and get in the Scotland team, even at as, the age of uh, even 18, at the age 18. of eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, because I'd I'd moved along in football. I'd played in. Um, you know, most of the levels I, I had got there and got in the teams. So I was pretty, I was pretty confident young man, really. But I was young, uh, but I was very dedicated. Um, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke. Football was my life. When you did move to Sheffield Wednesday and were called up for the, the England game, did you expect to be? Uh, I didn't expect to be, but I knew I was in the running. And you had a great chance because I'd played in two under-23 games. We played Wales at, um, I think it was at Swansea or Wrexham. No, sorry, it was Wrexham. And uh, we, we beat Wales 6-0. Okay. And I scored two that day. And then we played the England at Newcastle. Um, and we beat England 3-1. And, and then I had a really good game. And I scored that day as well. Okay. So... I was well on my way, plus I knew that the selectors, which it was back then, had been looking at me quite a lot. And then um, I, I knew on the, the Saturday I heard that there was a selector watching me when I played in the quarterfinals of the Cup against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, my old club. club. We lost 1-0. One no, one I was very disappointed for Sheffield Wednesday fans. Um, but I knew then uh, on the Sunday morning because Tommy Doherty actually rang me from Chelsea <laughs> and said, congratulations, you're in the Scotland team. And I says, Tommy, I says, I know what you like. Um, you, you like a laugh and a joke. I said, until I get the official news from Alan Brown, I hope you don't think I'm being funny, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait till <laughs> then. But I appreciate the call. Thank you. And then, did you get the official line? I got that? the official line on the Monday, uh, which was brilliant. I come into training, uh, and the coach, one of the coaches, come and said, "Jim, can you get in the office? Um, do you see the boss?" Well, I never usually went in the office or anything like that. So a lot of the lads were pricking their ears up, 
thinking, <laughs> well, it's either good or bad news. So I went in to, to see um, Alan Brown, my manager, um, who was a great football man, very, very well respected in, in the English football game. And uh, he said, I'd like to be first to congratulate you. And he shook hands with me. And he says, you've done very well here. He says, all you need to do is just go and do what you've been doing here and you'll be fine. It's going to be um, not the easiest game to, to play against, especially it's against England at Wembley and they haven't lost for 18 games. But I'm sure you'll, you'll cope with it, Jim. And he said, uh, which really got me. He said, we'll go into the dressing room and I'll tell the players if that's OK with you. He must have been um, proud of you then. Oh, well, he'd, he'd spent the money for me. Uh, so I can see you getting emotional yeah, now well, talking was, about it. Yeah, it was a big day. Yeah. Well, if you were surprised to be involved at all, it must have been an even bigger surprise when you were told you were starting the game. Oh, yeah, I, was, I knew I was definitely starting. I, I, I knew I wasn't going as a, 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 a 12th man or anything like that. I knew it was either one or the other. Um, so it was the best piece of news I'd ever heard. Fantastic, and Bobby Brown, the, the Scotland manager for, mm. for, that, for that game, that period. How did you get on with him, and how did it work back then? Did he have full control of the team, or were the, the selectors, did they have a, quite a big influence? No, that was the first time that Bobby Brown picked the team. Oh, so the selectors yeah, so Bobby Brown, didn't have an input. The selectors okay. had an input, they, they sent in the reports to Bobby Brown, so they, they were covering quite a lot from because it was quite a prestigious game so they had to I'm sure the selectors had done quite a lot of work for for whoever was coming mm -hmm. in when and, and they decided it was Bobby Brown and I'd never met Bobby Brown before until um, we played the under 23 game at Wales sorry not at Wales at, at Newcastle against England and that was the first time that I, I'd met Bobby Brown so to get in the team it was really something else baptism of fire for him as well first game at Wembley yeah there was three of us um, there was uh, Bobby Brown's first game uh, Ronnie Simpson our goalkeeper um, he was it was his first game Ronnie was 36 wow and it was my first game and I was just 20 so it was uh, three of us yeah how did you feel at 20 years old to find out you're going to be starting against the then world champions in such a huge game a derby match against the old enemy. A lot of people have asked me that, and they said, um, "Was I nervous? Or was I worried?" And I thought, "What if I got to worry about?" I was pretty clear. Like I said, I, I you know, I live for football. I, I didn't drink or anything. Like that. There was no fuzziness in my head. My head was absolutely clear on what I was going to do, why I was in the team, um, and everything like that. And I thought if Bobby Brown is happy to put me in the team and the selectors, because obviously they've put in good reports, um, then why should I worry? Go out and enjoy it. It's a great place to to start your international career and, and a great place to learn. And I thought that, that, that was my attitude towards it. There was no feeling that I was Jack the Lad or, or anything like that. But I certainly didn't have an inferiority complex. What, so, what was Wembley like that day in terms of the support from the Tartan army? How many of them were there? No, they made them feel at home because what they, they used to do, the, the Scotland supporters back then, 
Um, they used to save up for every two years and then go down to Wembley and have the weekend in, mm-hmm. in London. Well, there must have been 40,000 of them there. And what was absolutely amazing was on the bus from the hotel, we had a police escort, but coming up Wembley Way, as it, as it were, all the colour and, the, the you know, the tartans that was there and, and all you know, waving, the, the atmosphere was unbelievable. And we were all looking out the windows and going, well, look at him and look at her and look at them. They're, they're absolutely, you know, buoyant, like, yeah. and, and couldn't obviously wait for the game. And, and they they didn't feel like they were going to get beat. Whether they'd had a few swallies, <laughs> God only knows, but good luck to them. Thanks for the support. It must really have spurred you on, seeing all that from oh, the bus. Amazing. Um, and then when we, we we got to the ground uh, and then got in the dressing room, then it gets a bit real. Mm-hmm. Then you you're thinking, well, the first thing is you you know you generally speaking is maybe put your stuff in the uh, beside your peg and then you walk out onto the turf to have a have a look at the turf and see what studs you mm-hmm. might have to put on because we didn't have kit men then looking after your every need. We had to look after our yeah. own boots and bring our own boots to the, obviously to the stadium and what have you. Um, so yeah, it was it was great to walk up there, but of course the crowd wasn't all in yet mm-hmm. because they were all probably just enjoying the atmosphere outside before they yeah. went into the stadium. And it was great talking to the lads and everybody's kind of different. Some, you know, is clowning about and messing about, but. Generally speaking, the banter in the team among the boys was very, very good. Who were your teammates then at that point and who did you get along with in the Scotland team that day? Well, luckily enough, I seemed to get on with, with all of them. There was obviously the guys from Celtic and there was guys from Rangers and there was the Anglos, i.e. Dennis Law, Billy Bremner, Eddie McCready and, and of course, I, I was an Anglo. But there was four Anglos and, and seven uh, national Scots from Celtic and Rangers. How did it feel to be selected alongside them? It felt... Did, did, um, did, did you feel at home? Yes, absolutely. It didn't feel surreal at all. A lot of things had happened to me in my career. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd come through, I'd, I'd got my schoolboy caps, I got my youth caps, I got my under-23 caps... A lot of things had happened to me leading on to where where I was coming. Now was the test, the, well, the big test. Um, so, as far as um, as far as I was concerned, the, 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 this was where I wanted to make my mark. And uh, regardless of it being against the world champions or whatever, once you go, out, you forget all about that. You get on with the game. I mean, the crowd was magnificent, all that, but you've still got to play the game. So, no, bring it on. And on a personal note, you said you weren't nervous or intimidated. No. Did that go for the whole squad? I think so, because if you watch the game, we, we started off very um, v- very quick and we, we, we started pressing them straight away and we didn't give them time to settle on the ball. If you get Bobby Charlton and, and Alan Ball time to settle on the ball and, and players like that, Martin Peters, then they, they, they can cause you problems. But we not only snuffed them out straight away, we, we started playing ourselves. And what were your memories of how the game ebbed and flowed uh, throughout the 90? 
memories were great because I was in the game a lot. I was my position in the team really. Um, I was in between Billy Bremner and Jim Baxter, and I was to try and link the the, the midfield to the the forwards and and try and um, support the forwards as as much as I possibly could. I had a wonderful free role. Um, and, and I liked that because I, I was a midfield player, but I was also a striker at times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if I could get a chance to, to lay on a goal or, or score a goal, that's my ideal position. Leave me to to find out what's going on. You've led me on to my next question. I was going to ask, how would you have described yourself as a player? What, what kind of player were you for those too young to remember? Um, kind of player I was just, I, I, I think without being big headed or anything I think I had all the skills I had. I, could, I was two footed I could uh, hit a ball I hit a pass I could score goals um, I was good in the air as well although I was five foot nine um, so I was I would say I was a pretty all round player I would say I was probably a, a number ten in today's game where you, you you look to penetrate the other team and uh, and score goals as well. So that that was where I was kind of looking. Yeah. Again, for those of us too young to remember, like like myself, <laughs> um, the result we got against England that day was it a really deserved one, or was it one where the result was fluked? No, I think it was a de- deserved one. I mean, England um, possibly had a, a, an excuse because Jack Charlton was injured. He he injured his toe, um, but I don't I don't think it would have mattered. I, I think we got a, a hold of the game early on by the scuff of the neck, and and I thought we were we were tremendous on on the day. And um, no, I'd, I don't think anybody could have could have lived with us on on that day because we we proved it there and then. We'd beat the world champions. You scored the third, famously. The scoreline was 2-1. It was Lennox and Law that had scored the, yeah. the first two. Yeah. Uh, score, scoreline's 2-1. You play a fantastic 1-2 with Wallace. Can you remember what's going through your head at that point as you receive the ball back and you're about to shoot? Or is it all a bit much of a blur? No. Um, it, everything, Andy, is absolutely crystal clear. It's, it's quite, I, I, we were Billy Bremner got the ball on the left-hand side and what Billy had planned to do was take the ball in the corner and run the clock down because we were winning 2-1. But Billy made a run, um, like I said, down the left-hand side. But then I seen Bobby Lennox running. And it's not easy to run and try and get catch up to Bobby Lennox because <laughs> uh, Bobby was very, very quick. So I seen Bobby running and my midfield instinct and my goal-scoring instinct told me, just get on your bike now because something might happen mm-hmm. around here. So, of course, Billy squared it to Bobby Lennox and as Bobby gets the ball, you can see me coming in the picture and Bobby pushed it square to me. But then, as I got on the ball, I could see Willie Wallace. So I turned a wee bit to the right, played a one-two with Willie Wallace, got the return, steadied myself and I just blasted it in the back of the net. I, I, think I could one... see Bobby Moore coming across and I could see Gordon Banks trying to 
get closer to me, but I, I caught them both because I just smashed it and it was right in the bottom corner. The word I would, I've, I've watched the highlights back and I think the word to describe you in that situation mm. would just composure. Oh, I was, I was totally composed. I was on it and, and, and I, was, I was in my stride and I'd straightened myself up and it was just bang, pick that one out. <laughs> How did it feel immediately after? The, the, there was a very passionate fist bump Oh yeah, the, after it went to, to the left where, where I scored the, the, the goal at the tunnel end that's where my dad was up in the, up, up there so as I scored I blasted it in and, and I did whatever I did and, and I, I, I waved really towards where I thought my dad might be and then the first person to come to me uh, which was marvellous was my hero Dennis Law Dennis Law, amazing to to have that memory, sharing the pitch with your hero, mm. scoring the goal that sealed it in front of your yeah. your family, it must be mm. a, an emotional um, an emotional moment. Something that you're telling me you've dreamt about since you were oh. running about on the bowling green. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I just felt like I, I'd been there before, and and that was the way I felt. Um, I, I knew I'd, I'd I'd done everything right and. I was just ecstatic. It's it's an iconic moment, and you're the man in Scottish history that that has scored the the winning goal against England when they were world champions in their own backyard, and it will be spoken about well well after I'm gone and, and my my <laughs> grandkids are around. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, um, it, at the time, you don't think about that. I mean, I wasn't even a person for thinking about history. What I was always thinking about was improvement and, um, you know, I went down to England, I left all my pals and, you know, I, I thought, God, what have I done? But I so wanted to be a footballer and, and this was where I wanted to be and it, and it all happened. At 20 years old? Yeah, I, I suppose uh, in, in a way as well, maybe, you, you know, maybe... It, if it had come a wee bit later, it might have been maybe better in some ways, but that was what I wanted. And, you know, like when I went in and asked Tommy Doherty for a transfer three times, this was the moment that I'd wanted. And, and it proved it that that was where I was going to be. Do you think that's possibly the best debut of any Scottish player for the national team? Uh, I don't know. I think other people would have to... Um, would have to be the judge of that. I, I certainly wouldn't um, like to say that, but what I would say was that um, I felt I did myself justice, um, and it was wonderful to to play with such great players, not only in my team but in the England team, and and for us to to win three two, and and all them supporters uh, to go home and. Uh, Sorry to spend a, a good evening in London and then go home the next day. Uh, it, it, you know, it was it was fabulous. Talk to me about your relationship with Dennis Law. What was it like to to see him going from your hero to a friend? Oh, that was amazing because I remember as a kid at Holyrood uh, School, which was just down the road from um, from Hamden. I remember Dennis coming over to, to play a game, I think it was against Czechoslovakia, and my head was all about getting to Hamden straight after school. 
and I think we finished school about three o'clock that day because of the the international at hand and they mm. let us have a wee bit of time well as wow. soon as the bell went I was and my pals we were straight up to to Hamden and I think we, we sneaked under the turnstiles <laughs> or somebody threw us over the turnstiles and, and we were in and we were behind the goal and all I could see was this mop of blonde hair that Dennis had in him I think he scored two that day so Dennis Law certainly fired me towards uh, wanting to be a footballer and, and his style and his everything about him and to be playing with him and then, and then eventually to become a friend of his is uh, is wonderful. Absolutely, and a tremendous, tremendous finisher. I, I can only wish that I'd been able to see more footage of him. It must be amazing for people of your generation that grew up having a player like that in the yeah. Scotland team to change days now. Oh yeah, the, the, the thing was back then, Andy, um, there, there was only BBC match of the day really and they would only show you two two games from England uh, a week. Mm-hmm. Whereas now the, all the leagues in England you can see it every week on Sky and on BT Sport. What memories that is for, for them players now, mm-hmm. you know, whereas sadly a, a lot of the memories that the, the players that I idolised and the players that I played with, we didn't always have TV cameras there to, to record it. And I mean, even the day of that game, Andy, that was the first day that um, the BBC didn't actually film Scotland and England game. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so it was crazy. I, I don't know why it was so, but, but it was crazy. The only place you can get it or could get it then was on Pathé News. Thank God it's easily accessible now on. on oh, aye, but we've there's such a lot of memories that are in my head. Dennis Law scoring goals, Jim Baxter, um, such a wonderful footballer, Billy Bremner, uh, you, you know, another great footballer. Uh, all these guys, you know, John Gregg, greatest ranger ever. John Gregg, great man, lovely guy. Big Ronnie McKinnon who played alongside him big cheeky chappy you know you can imagine them all now yeah. Tommy Gemmel, Eddie McCready um, of course we Willie Wallace I have to mention because he laid on the goal and then Bobby Lennox who went on to, to do a lot of things it was only Bobby's second game mm-hmm. so you know um, great players and they've all had great careers um, I mean it was uh, it was just amazing and, and such a good start for Bobby Brown um, I mean, I was at a lunch a little while ago for Bobby Brown. He's 95 and he's absolutely amazing. Still sharp. He's sharp as a tack and uh, he's very, very smart. Brilliant. After the game, the final whistle, I'm, I'm assuming there were wild celebrations in the changing room. Would that be the case? Oh, definitely. I mean, as wild as it got for me was either a coke or an orange juice. <laughs> But I'm sure the other boys had a had a wee drink, a wee drop of champagne. But he, even though it was the greatest occasion that I, I'd I'd ever wanted in my football career, uh, I still didn't have a drink. I, you know, I just I mean, I never had a, an alcoholic drink until I was about 23. I was just so focused. I was on, focused on my career yeah. and wanted to be a footballer. Um, there was no distractions. I was. I was straight down the middle, football, football, and that was it. 
Well, that day, it's in folklore. Um, how long did it take to, to sink in what you'd achieved that day? I think um, <laughs> the reality of it was I got the third goal and then straight away England hit back. Yeah. So really, uh, you know, we, we still hadn't won the game. So we, we'd we obviously got to play the game out. Um, so it was... Uh, it was the way it was. Um, like I said, uh, I scored my goal, but then England got another goal, so that was... Um, Tense ending. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Um, complete relief then. Oh, yeah. I mean, when the final whistle went, we were, we were absolutely delighted, but we, I don't know what happened with me, but all I remember is when the game had finished, I run straight to the other end uh, to, to see uh, Ronnie Simpson I put my arms around uh, Ronnie Simpson uh, sadly um, well not sadly when we turned round me and Ronnie all the supporters were, were on the, the pitch and, and, that, and that we, we had the longest ever trek to get back to the, to the tunnel <laughs> because we were right at the far end and they were trying to pull our shirts off with socks, with pants and then <laughs> it didn't matter. Have you still got your strip from that day? Uh, yes, I have, yeah. yeah something yeah. that you'll yeah. treasure for forever. Forever in the day, yeah, absolutely. Well, you got four more Scotland caps. Three of them came when you were still a Sheffield United player against USSR, Northern Ireland and Denmark. Should there have been more? Yes, I think there should have been more. I think I I got little niggly injuries at wrong times. Um, I definitely should have got more. Um, I had a good career in, in England. Um, I progressed my career. Um, there were also a lot of competition in the Scotland team. There was especially for midfield and, and up front. And, and we had a wealth of talent. There, there's no doubt about it at all. You could look at England teams uh, and there'd be three Scots boys in the England teams, all the England teams in the first mm-hmm. division and even in the second division as well. Um, so we had a great wealth of talent and uh, I, I think it was be- because of what I said earlier on in the, the interview that there, there was a structure for for schoolboy football, a structure for the kids that miss schoolboy football to go into the boys' club football. Uh, I think that is missing a wee bit now. Yeah. Uh, I think the most important thing um, for footballers is is to play, and I can't for the life of me understand why anybody can sit in the bench week in week out and collecting the money. I don't know where where that comes from. Because there's no way, um, well, I proved it. I asked for a transfer three mm. times at Chelsea. It was a fabulous club, great lads there, great football team. We should have won the first division there. We lost it by three points when I was there. Um, so all the ingredients was there, but you got to play. If you don't, I'd rather go down the division to play than, than stay in, in, in the Premiership and not get a game, it's not worth it. What what injuries kept you, uh, kept bothering you then throughout your not, career? Not, fortunately, not serious injuries, but I, 
I, I tended to play all, my game was quite all consuming, I was all over the pitch type of thing and I was a pretty fit lad. Um, but I got a lot of niggly knocks that I might not be able to play on, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday after a game on a Saturday, but I'd be okay the following Saturday, whereas the internationals mostly were played um, midweek. Okay. Um, but in saying that, the the actual game, my first game, um, my team Sheffield Wednesday played Spurs that day. They didn't cancel the game because there was... Me and Jimmy Greaves, Jimmy Greaves was playing for Spurs and I was playing for Sheffield Wednesday. So they thought that evened that itself up. And I thought, well, that's quite good being compared with Jimmy Greaves. <laughs> so I, I, that made me feel even better still. <laughs> so like I said, there was no nerves going into the game and, and that proved a wee point itself as well. Were you close with the English players as well then? Yeah, we... Um, in the tunnel before the game, we, we we all shook hands. We all knew each other. But the funny thing was, uh, Dennis uh, wouldn't shake hands. Oh? No. Dennis, um, because uh, I remember going to a, a sportsman's dinner, Nobby Styles, uh, who played with Dennis at Manchester United then. And, and Dennis, um, Nobby tried to catch Dennis's eye to, to say hello to him in the tunnel and Dennis had completely blanked Nobby, never spoke to him during the game, nothing at all. He said, I, I couldn't believe it. He says, he, he, says the, he calls him the king. He says, the king never even spoke to me, never, nothing. But he says, as soon as the game finished and it was over, he was all over me. <laughs> well, it meant that much to that meant that much to him, yeah. Oh, because Dennis had played in the 9-3 game with quite a lot of the lads and, and that was, uh, you know, a, a terrible doing, really. And and Dennis wanted to beat England with as many goals as possible, <laughs> really. And, you know, that, that that was his thoughts. He was really focused with Dennis. Was there a game that meant more than that to any of the Scottish boys? Do you think? Um, or or was Scotland v England that the one... Was that the game that everybody oh, yeah. wanted to be involved in? I think so. Uh, I think Scotland and England, yeah, definitely. I mean, Brazil, you would like to play against Brazil <laughs> or, or, or Argentina. But, um, no, I think the, the Scotland and England match was was right up there. Um, yeah, definitely. I read online that you, you, you said there was a, a debate at some point um, for the Scots who played their trade in England being involved in the national team. Um, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, well, the, the, there was always the problem, the, the Ang- they called us the Anglo-Scots. Um, they, obviously, Celtic and Rangers wanted as many of their players in the team and there was often a, a, a lot of controversy about, you know, there would be either four from Rangers and three from Celtic, mm-hmm. but why should that be? Uh, and maybe four Anglos, mm-hmm. and the, the, a lot of the, the, the thoughts were, the, the, there was a lot of different opinions, um, so yeah, it was, um, and and the, the old chestnut kept coming up, the, the old firm, and, and, and then there, there was a lot of teams doing well in Scotland then, i.e. Kilmarnock, Hibs was doing well, Hearts were a good team, and they had their internationals as well. Mm-hmm. So it was quite widespread 
um, what was going on as regards who was going to pick the team for Scotland and all the rest of it. So I, I think maybe why they kept the selectors idea for, for quite a while was they were hoping that maybe they'd be less biased okay. and maybe a, a team manager that perhaps played in, a, for the, played in England or maybe played for Celtic or, or Rangers. Okay, yeah. yes, I see. Um, also, I read online that you believe there was a, some sort of disagreement between Sheffield Wednesday and uh, the selectors or the manager that you feel might have prevented you from picking up more caps. Is there any truth in that? Yeah, the 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 thing was I'd played in the cup final. I was nineteen. I'd just uh, been transferred the the previous November from Chelsea to uh, Sheffield Wednesday for a British record fee for a teenager. So we got to the final in the May, and in the June Brazil was playing um, Scotland at Hamden, and John Prentice, who was the manager, who was in charge then, he actually asked for me. Okay. Um, to Sheffield Wednesday and I found out a lot of years later that Alan Brown, my manager, said no, he didn't want me to go yet because uh, a lot of things had happened to me and he, he just wanted to um, calm me down a wee bit and uh, not that I was getting out of order he just wanted uh, to look after my best interests but really I would have loved to have played against <laughs> Brazil and when I heard about it, I was a bit miffed. Really. Yeah, I can imagine. To tell the truth, I was miffed. Because the lot of the after the cup final, I scored the first goal and, and we'd lost to Everton 3-2. I'd had a good game, and I, I know that. And uh, there was a lot of people, especially the, in the papers, that were clamouring to pick me for the game against Brazil. In that time frame, was there anything else that went against you? No, I actually played in the September, the in the September against Northern Ireland, Andy, um, we lost one nil. George Best was amazing mm-hmm. that day. He he was fabulous. Um, so no, I got I, I was still in and around the the, the team, and then um, then I missed a few games because of injury. In fact, I should have missed the game against Russia, which was straight after the England game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I twisted my ankle and, and I wasn't 100% fit to be honest I shouldn't really have played Any player I think could be forgiven for battling through the pain barrier to, yeah, yeah. to play for Scotland Oh uh, it was uh, it was a thing uh, to be honest I did it once and that was it and, and if it wasn't for Scotland I don't think I'd have done it for anybody else or, or, or unless uh, you know it were no I think that would be it did you realise that playing against Portugal in 71 and 2-0 loss, did you realise at the time that that would be your final game or were you, were you expecting to be involved again after that? No, you just, you hoped Andy that, you know, that it would it would happen again. Um, so, you don't know, your, your own form can take a dip. Maybe I wasn't playing as well myself. Um, but then, like I said, there was a lot of competition um, and managers, had, I think managers had changed, so different managers have different opinions. So yeah, you're, you're always hoping, you always think, hopefully I'll get back in again. But as it happened, it, it, I never did. Overall, then, how do you reflect on your international career and and five caps for Scotland? Or five caps, you're saying there should have been more, but at the end of the day, there was one cap and one goal that really 
Still think, your place in folklore. Yeah, I, I, I think there could have been more. I wouldn't like to use the word should because that, that sounds like you're a big-headed swine. <laughs> no, no. I, you know, could is a better word for me, yeah. I, I, you know, that that was what, what I was thinking, really, yeah. Fond memories of your time in Scotland rather than poor ones. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I can sit here and I've I've got a a, a record that I, I don't think anybody else has it in football, and that is I've played against England, the uh, schoolboy, youth, under twenty three and full, and I've never been on a losing side. Really. No. Oh my goodness! So, no. how many games roughly would that be then? Well, th- it'd be um, one in the schoolboy international, uh, one in the Scotland youth, uh, and one in the under twenty threes because they never put me back into the under twenty threes, right. even though I, I had another three years that I could play in the under twenty threes. And I actually missed quite a few games with injuries for the under-23s, which I was then annoyed about because I thought that's another way of getting back in. Right. But I, I missed out on them as well. But not, like I said, never big injuries, just niggly injuries because of the way I played and I, I was pretty fearless. That's amazing though, to play England four times and never be on the, the losing yeah. side as a Scotsman. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. But the, 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 the one thing I, uh, I often think about, uh, especially now I'm back home, you know, I come back home in 2007, I always had a, an idea that I would come back to Scotland. Um, so, we, we and I think back on the, the Schoolboy International, and I think there I was, a, a, a Glasgow boy from the Gobbles, and, and walking from the Gobbles with my boots mm-hmm. to Ibrooks to play for Scotland schoolboys against England schoolboys, it was truly amazing. But the the, the thing that, that, that really sparked me up for that as well was that on the tannoy in the school in Holyrood on the Friday morning, the headmaster came on the tannoy and said, um, I'd like to have a word with your pupils and say, um, we have uh, one of our pupils playing for Scotland schoolboys against England schoolboys uh, tomorrow afternoon, kick-off three o'clock, and uh, if you're anywhere near, please go along and support yeah. James McCallion. And I was... Wow. <laughs> I thought, wow, where did that come from? Anyway, walking there was was quite amazing. You know, were, you can see crowds going to the game, and I was, you know, I was just 15, and then... Uh, of course, when when you get into Ibrooks, I mean, I'd been to Ibrooks and and to Parkhead and to Third Lanark and to Clyde, who really were the team that I supported when I was a kid. Um, I'd been to all them stadiums and watched all these players, and now to be at Ibrooks, where Willie Henderson, John Gregg, Jim Baxter, Davy Wilson. I mean, it goes on and on, all these players, and, and then coming a bit closer, Colin Steen, Willie Johnson, uh, Barry Ferguson, Ali McCoy, yeah. they'd all eventually play at, at Ibrox. That was a terrific moment. I was going to ask what your best moment in football is. Is that a silly question? No, 
Um, there's been a lot of great moments for me that I've, uh, you know, winning the FA Cup, uh, winning the League Cup in England uh, twice, mm -hmm. um, unfortunately getting beaten in the UEFA Cup final when I was captain of Wolves, uh, that was a sore one, but um, that was a great experience. Um, so a lot of fantastic um, things happened. Um, very in, rich career in my career but nothing can take it away from Wembley I'm also keen to find out who your best teammate was uh, played alongside in your Scotland career who was the number one teammate would it be Dennis Law? Uh, yeah a lot of the guys uh, I knew Eddie McCready really quite well because I spent time at Chelsea Um um, and, and slowly but surely I got to know some of the, the other guys uh, Tommy Gemmel uh, always all the, the pubs that I've had in, in England Tommy always managed to find a bit of time to come and say hello oh, God rest his soul um, no great great fun um, great memories uh, all of them um, you know Willie Henderson. Um, since I finished playing football, I, I've uh, um, and then I went into the the license trade. And since I come back to Scotland, and I've now do events. Mm -hmm. um, I promote football events, and I've I've got back on track with a lot of the guys again. I've actually um, I've had. John Gregg on, I've had Willie Henderson, I've had Graham Souness, Joe Jordan. We're waiting for Jim Craig and Willie Wallace to appear. They, they, they are on in October. So, yeah, I've got back into the swing of being back with the guys. I wouldn't say there's any particular pal. I think I've got a lot of pals, a lot of friends. And because of me moving around, Andy, um, to different places, uh, not only in my football career... Uh, in my licensed trade career as well, um, I think it's a there's a wee bit of gypsy in me. That must be the Irish in me. <laughs> what about opponents then? Who's the toughest opponent you faced uh, for the national team? Toughest opponent and best opponent is well named. He's called George. Ah, very good. Okay. Um, Did you know him well at I knew all? George. Yeah, I I I used to. Go to um, Palmanova and years gone by in Mallorca, um, and uh, I, I met George out there, and we used to have um, a bit of fun, and then I'd meet him when I, we played against him, um, and and then I used to go to Marbella, and George went there, and when he finished his career, he was uh, he was running a bar in Marbella, so I'd always make a beeline for that when I was in. <laughs> Marbella and of course when I'd signed for, for Man United George had just finished and um, um, I, he took on a couple of clubs, a couple of businesses in uh, Manchester so I'd go there and, and, and see George um, but he was such a talented footballer, he was he was quite amazing um, some of the things George George did with the the ball was and and one of the best goals you you'll see. I, I don't know if they show it so much, but Gordon Banks has the ball in his hand, and I, I, he throws it 
to kick it and George was hiding behind him <laughs> yes, yeah. and he flicks it out of into the air and he beats Gordon Banks on the run to head it into the back of the net <laughs> and why they disallowed that I don't know it's a truly amazing quick thinking goal very very it's classy it really is and then from then on in what makes me laugh is when I used to see a goalkeeper with a ball in his hand and he used to look left and right. It was like as though he were crossing the street. And even some of them would look under their legs to see if he was kneeling down behind them. And, you know, it, it, that to me was what football was all about. George was an, an entertainer and... Uh, and it, similar to Jim Baxter, they, they went out to entertain and um, great people, lovely, lovely skills, made it all worthwhile watching football players. Can you picture Baxter's keepy ups at Wembley? Yeah, the, the, the keepy up actually, it, it starts, if you, if you go back onto the, the film, it starts with me back heeling the ball. So there's myself back heels it, somebody else back heels it, and as it rolls nicely to Jim, Jim flicks it in the air and starts doing keepy uppy. And Dennis, Dennis wasn't he too happy, I no. don't think, <laughs> because Dennis, like I said, Dennis was at, um, was at Wembley when they lost 9-3, and Dennis was looking to get more goals. And, and really, the game could have been... Uh, on chances, Dennis could have scored a hat trick. He was very unlucky not to. So it could have been maybe six or seven. Well, we've dwelled on so many moments there from the past, especially in that one game. Let's talk about the current situation with Scotland. At, at present, we've played two games in the Nations League. Uh, we've won one, lost one. What's your take on the, the current international scene? My take is it's still in their hands. They've got to um, they've got to beat um, the the next home game. Uh, is it next home game? We've got Albania away and then Israel at home. Right. Well, they've got to try and get a result uh, against Albania. If they can get a point or or the two points, uh, sorry, the three points, that 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 would be great. But they must win the 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 last home game. And there is the the conundrum at the moment with Andy Robertson and Keaton Tierney, two of our best players fighting for the one position in the team. Is there anything you would do in particular to try and solve that? Well, I think that's Alec McLeish's conundrum. It's up to him whether he, he thinks he should play one or or, or play the other. I, I don't know whether he wants to make a decision, whether he's happy that uh, Kieran can can play and the, the left central um Side, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's down to Alec McLeish. Uh, I think it's his problem, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> There's also, well, you've said that it was your dream to 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 grow up and play for Scotland. Uh, you would have done anything to to pull on the the jersey. Lee Griffiths this week pulled out of the the squad, citing that he felt he wasn't or he needed to focus on his fitness to perform for Celtic. Would that have been at all understandable back in your day? Um, I think he, he he's managed to score two or three goals, um, but I, I I think maybe down inside him he's maybe thinking that perhaps he's not as fit as he would like to be. 
because the actual injury that, that's been bugging him a lot is a calf injury, and, it, and it's a, it's just a, it's a real pain if you get a, an Achilles, a, a calf injury or an Achilles injury because you don't always know when it can come back, and uh, I, I think. You know, I think maybe he's, he's happy that he scored some goals again. Maybe in, in his the back of his mind, he's happy that he can score goals. But I think he maybe he perhaps thinks he needs to up his fitness and and he, and he wants to do that. So maybe he's been doing work with a physio. I, I don't know, or, or maybe he wants a wee bit of a rest now. I think it's a mind thing for him. And uh, I think it's up to him, really. If the manager says to you, you're fit to play, then you play. If you're not fit to play, you don't play. If you're in between, then it all depends on who the manager is. He might just say, right, well, you're not going to play and that's it. OK. Well, Jim, it's been a pleasure to run through your international career with you. It's It's been a joy to hear it firsthand from, from you yourself. Just thanks very much for coming on the, the Hamden Roar. I appreciate it. Uh, I've loved it, Andy, and, and I wish you well. Good luck. Keep up the good work. Sports Social Podcast Network.